Section 8 of Birds and All Nature, Volume 5, Number 2, February 1899. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Vern Seward. Birds and All Nature, Volume 5, Number 2, February 1899. The White Ibis. The White Ibis. Guerrera Alba. Lenz Jones. The White Ibis might well serve as the text of a symposium upon the evils of plume hunting to supply the constant demand of the millinery trade. Suffice it to say here that this species, in common with many other members of its family, and many other birds as well, has decreased to the point of almost complete extermination within the last fifteen years from this cause alone. Surely it must be true that the living bird in its natural environment is far more pleasing to the aesthetic sense than a few feathers which are retained and put to an unnatural use. As lately as 1880, the white ibis was decidedly numerous in the various rookeries of the southern states, wandering as far north as the Ohio River, and touching southern Indiana and southern Illinois. Two were seen as far north as southern South Dakota. They are now scarcely common even in the most favorite localities in Louisiana and Texas, being confined to the Gulf states almost entirely, and even there greatly restricted locally. Like many of their near relatives, the heron, the ibises not only roost together in rookeries, but they also nest in greater or less communities. Before their ranks were so painfully thinned by plume hunters, these nesting communities contain hundreds, even thousands of individuals, and now only small companies can be found in out-of-the-way places. The nests are built upon mangrove bushes or upon broken reeds and rushes in the swamps, and is said to be rather more carefully and compactly built than are the herons' nests. The eggs are three or four, rarely five in number, and are laid about May 1st in many localities, later in others. They appear large for the bird. In shape, they are rather long ovate. In color, they are gray or ashy blue, irregularly and rather heavily blotched and spotted with reddish and umber browns of various shades. Some specimens are very pretty. The story of their great abundance, persecution, rapid decline, and almost death, if written, would read like some horrible nightmare. Confident in the apparent security of their ancestral gathering places, they fell easy prey to the avaricious plume hunter, who, from some vantage point, used his almost noiseless light rifle or air gun with deadly effect, tallying his victims by the hundreds daily. We are sometimes led to wonder if there is anything so sacred as money. We might be able to derive some comfort from the thinning ranks of many of our birds, perhaps if we could be sure that when these are gone the work of extermination would cease. But when one species disappears, another, less attractive before, will be set upon, and thus the crusade begun will finally extend to each in turn. This is not theory, but fact nor will the work of extermination cease with the demand for plumes. 
not until repeated refusals of offered plumes have impressed upon the mind of the hunter the utter futility of further activity in this line will he seek some other occupation it is a shame upon us that killing birds should ever become an occupation of anyone a strong public sentiment against feather adornment will yet save from destruction many of our native birds can we not arouse it end of section eight recording by vern seward